Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A dream is made real. Ricky Howe rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Welcome back to the Big Fight Reaction Show on the BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I am your host, John, joined by my co-host, Chris, for this Big Fight Reaction Show from what was largely a non-eventful weekend. But maybe, Chris, you will beg to differ on that statement there because actually there were a few things that happened which were maybe significant in, in some boxing circles. So... On our preview show for the weekend, we covered two main fights. That was Mark Magdayo and Brandon Figueroa and Lewis Ritson and O'Hara Davis. So they are the two fights that we primarily tuned into this weekend to have a conversation around. But there were also some moments across those cards that caused some upsets, which we will mention as well. So, Chris, I'm going to come over to you and talk about the bigger fight of the weekend, which is Figueroa and Mark Magzayo for the interim WBC featherweight title. Proved to be a entertaining fight. Some might say it was one of the fights of the year so far, even as early as March, but it was highly competitive. However, the scorecards didn't really reflect how competitive I felt that fight was. But Figueroa got the victory, much to the surprise of some people within boxing, but... What did you see looking at this fight and did you think the scorecards were a fair reflection upon how this fight went down? Thanks, Sean, and uh, good to be back. Yeah, the the fight, we talked about it beforehand because there were some voices in America that had said on social media that this wasn't a fight they were interested in, wasn't a fight which they, they particularly held out much hope for. But we begged to differ last week and when we were doing our preview show, we said, you know, this could be an all-action war 
when you look at the two chaps, you know, Figueroa and Masayo, they were, they were very, very evenly balanced going into the fight. Very, very um, similar records. Both had been world champions before. And and we thought, you know, we could get a tear up here given the styles. And that's exactly what we got. You know, I, I was really looking forward to the fight and watching it back. I watched it back this morning with a clear head because it was uh, obviously time difference. I thought, yeah, we got exactly what we, we thought we would get. You know, we got Figueroa, you know, was obviously the taller man. And and I think in, in certain ways he controlled the fight, he controlled the pace of the fight. But Maxayo was always in the fight. He landed some great body shots. And, you know, Figueroa was jumping back and forth between southpaw and orthodox and trying to find a way behind his, his, his long right hand to, to get to Maxayo. And Maxayo, you know, opened up on a number of occasions, lots of combinations from him at different points. He was waiting, he countered very well at times, Maxayo. But I think the, the, the big talking point in this fight was the deductions and um, McSally was deducted one point in round eight and one point in round 11. And that was due to excessive holding in the eyes of the, the referee. So when we look at the scorecards, they were 117, 109 twice and 118, 108. You know, they didn't re- reflect the competitive nature of this bout. You know, for me, it probably felt more like a 115, 113 type fight if we exclude the point deductions for Figueroa. So while I think the right man won, we did get an all-action fight. We did get Brandon Figueroa moving on in his career. But for me, the referee, I thought, was was very, very poor in terms of what he actually did. It was a chap called Thomas Taylor. And and what he effectively did to McZayo was, in round eight, you're holding, taking a point off immediately. There was no warning in advance, nothing at all. In the, in the eighth round, he had had a little go at McZayo for turning round um, when Figueroa was attacking him. But uh, he hadn't actually warned about holding and and it was the styles of the two chaps that made the 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 kind of messy issues the melee the messy elements to the fight because Figueroa was was markedly taller you know it, it said he was only two centimeters taller but it looked a lot bigger in the ring it probably looked about three four centimeters taller he was crouching down to get to McZayo and he, his arms are much much longer he had the longer reach Brandon Figueroa so naturally he was going to bend down and push down on McZayo and, and a lot of the time it looked like when McZayo got the points taken off he was just really trying to prevent Figueroa from doing that because he was down three times in the fight McZayo from being pushed down being pushed on the back of the head being pushed on the back of the shoulders so you know the, the referee should have got a hold of that rather than actually you know deducting points off McSayo for holding but all in all I thought we had a great fight is it fight of the year I don't think so it's not at that level you know they, they probably threw about 600 punches each looking at um, CompuBox stats this morning but certainly the right man won and, and I think that we've got a great fight with um, Ray Vargas and Brandon Figueroa coming up I agree with the the Brandon Figueroa and Ray Vargas fight. I think that is really going to be a good fight, and I'm really looking forward to to what comes next with those two. I think because obviously we've seen Ray Vargas lose, even though it be a higher weight, he's certainly now maybe lost that aura of invincibility that maybe he once carried. And going into this fight now with Figueroa, I think he's got the ability being being slightly different in in stature that he could actually go in there and and cause what could be another upset. I think people maybe perceive this fight to be a Magzio win. That's kind of the gist I got going into it. And then seeing Figueroa go in there and actually beat Magzio, and, and it was competitive, but he ultimately beat him convincingly enough, regardless of point deductions, with, albeit 
you know, it was still for me, like you said, a 115, 112 card. I could kind of see that being the more logical card for this fight, barring the deductions. And it was uh, an exciting fight to watch. It's definitely not fight of the year so far. Ultimately, it's going to be up there as, as one of the most competitive fights. But I think we've got a lot of time to go yet in 2023. And I think there could be many, many more fights that would certainly trump this. And I think by the time we get to the end of the year, I think we... It's a forgettable one. It's competitive, but it's forgettable. I think we'll see many more fights this year that will be more exciting than what this was. But it certainly creates a good buzz around the featherweight division. And it is interesting because quite recently there's been so many changes up at that top end of the featherweight division. With Josh Warrington losing his IBF title to Luis Alberto Lopez. Then you obviously got Mauricio Lara beating Lee Wood only a few weeks ago. Now you've got Ray Vargas losing at a higher weight but still carries the WBC title in the featherweight division. Figueroa beats Magzayo who was effectively ranked higher than him in the rankings so it has certainly created a shift within this division and it's made it quite an exciting division I think before these series of fights in the last six months it wasn't really a division I can honestly sit there and say I had my eye on as a division to to keep an eye on and watch out for going forward but since that that shift in the pattern of fights and victories and losses that have happened actually now it's becoming more of a division that I actually want to tune into with the level of fights that are potentially going to happen now. So going forward from this moment, what sort of fights would you ideally want to see now? Because we've got Figueroa and Ray Vargas. Looks like it should be solidified for later this year. You've got Mauricio Lara. Will he fight Luis Alberto Lopez? Or will he then go on to have the rematch with Lee Wood? You've got Josh Warrington, obviously, still in there. Who's going to be looking for a bit of redemption somewhere along the line. So what would you say would be the fights now that need to be made for the rest of this year? Yeah, I think the WBC will order Figueroa versus Vargas because obviously this was for the, their interim title and Vargas has stated already that he's staying at the weight. McZayo last night came out afterwards and said he's moving up to 130, so we, we can take him out the rankings. But I think Lee Wood has got to um, get that rematch against Maurizio Lara first and foremost. I think that's a fight that we all want to to see and a fight that he deserves. And where would I go? You know, there's, pr there's probably about six or seven fighters there who any one of them you know you could match them against other and you'd say Do you know what we're going to have a great fight you know and it would be fantastic if we almost had like a world super series of uh, featherweight fighters at the moment because each could beat the other on on their day you know someone like josh warrington he's probably getting a little bit long in the tooth now he's he's probably been damaged a few um in, in his last few fights so you know for him i'd like to see him against lopez again and um, see if he can actually win his title once more i don't know the situation with that because it's an IBF belt and they enforce their mandatories quite quickly so you know I'm not sure Josh Warrington will actually get that immediate rematch with him but you know certainly going back to this fight I think McZayo moves up Figueroa gets Vargas I think Figueroa actually beats Vargas on last night's performance. I, I thought Brandon Figueroa was that good last night. You know I really liked the, the range and the motion of punches. The, you know at, at times he boxed in the pocket, uh, other times he stepped back, he switch hitted, he came in at, at times with, which was a crazy shot really when you think about it, but a leading left to the body or a, a leading right to the body, he's got such range and motion, he could actually do that. So I was very impressed with Figueroa last night and I, I would pick him to beat Vargas. 
would I pick him to beat uh, Maurizio Lara? I'm not sure because I think he's got the range, the movement, the motion to make Maurizio Lara potentially, you know, quit like we all thought he might do against um, Lee Wood because there was signs before about his temperament. You know, Figueroa could spoil him, could mess him, could push down on him. You know, so Figueroa versus Lara is a very, very interesting fight. But if Lara tags anybody in the featherweight division, they're going to go. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a really good 12 months within the featherweight division and depending upon how things do play out will really be exciting to see over the course of the next 12 months. Enjoyed the fight last night. It was one of the fights that we said last week would be one to tune into and it was it was worthy of tuning into. Yeah. Uh, what was interesting also on this card was there was a couple of moments where you know we looked at what we thought might happen in some of these fights but actually completely went the opposite way. And I think one of the big outcomes from this card was Jarrett Hurd losing the fight against Jose Armando Rizindez. I think that was a big, big shock for many people. I know Jarrett was coming towards the end of his career in, in many people's eyes, but I don't think anybody expected him to lose this fight against Resendez last night. I really don't think they did. And I think that was a, it was a little bit of a shocker. And I caught up with it like you today, earlier today. And I was just surprised to see it play out the way it did. And I just kind of felt like you look at where Jarrett Hurd was and you kind of was expecting him to, to be in with another world title shot. But he had a really bad laceration on his lip. And they had to stop the fight because of that laceration on his lip. So essentially... Resendez gets the KO in the 10th round. That's how it's been recorded as. And it was literally five seconds left, I think. Was it five seconds? I oh, know it was five seconds into the round, weren't it? It was crazy. It was crazy, yeah. it was, um, yeah. it was crazy that, that it, it sort of ended the way it did. But understandably so, his lip was an absolute mess. But surely that's going to be the end for Jarrett Hurd. Now, I can't see him really recovering from that. I don't know if you agree with that, whether I'm maybe just writing him off too soon. He, 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 for me, he was he was down on the cards and the actual scorecards reflected how I thought the fight was going. Uh, they had an 87-84, 89-82 and 87-84 all in favour uh, of Resendez. So for me, I think regardless of what, what was happening at the end and the way it ended, he was on course to lose the fight anyway. Yeah, I think what we've got to think about with Hurt is the last time that he actually got any form of, of decent win against a world-rated opponent was back in 2018. We're now in 2023, so we're, we're close to five years since he beat Islander Larry. So, you know, when, when we're looking at that, you know, in that time, he's, he's lost three of his last four fights. You know, he's been out now for, you know, best part of... Uh, two years and it hasn't had a decent win in 38 months so you know and with you Sean I think when you break it down and, and, and start looking at it difficult to see where he goes now you know his opponent last night wasn't meant to be a, a banger he wasn't meant to be someone that could have troubled him he was probably just the perfect comeback opponent in the eyes of the matchmaker he was only 13 and 1 going into it you know and obviously we've got Hart there who's 24 and 2 at the time going into the fight but he just stood and traded and it was ultimately uppercuts that got to Jarrett Hurt last night and, and the, the laceration was massive. But as you say, he was well beaten on many levels and, and he just really couldn't get himself away from the punches and, you know, they were finding a way through his defence over and over again. So, you know, it was a very, very fair stoppage. It was a bad cut, but he was also getting out-hustled and out-gamed and really out-muscled. So for me, 
yeah, where does he go now? They'll probably bring him back, and you, you could see him, you know, potentially, you know, as a as whoever wins the fight that we're about to talk about uh, later on with um, Zoo and Harrison, you could potentially see him as a as a first defence for that if the WBO is still an interim version. You know, that might be something they could look at. But for me, yeah, I think his career at the top end level has has been over now for a number of years. And that was just reinforced last night. Well, someone else's career who seemingly looks to be over is Lewis Ritson's after he lost to O'Hara Davis last night. That was the main UK fight that we covered in our preview for the weekend. And we didn't honestly know what either of them had left and that was the audiogram I posted out on social media about you know I don't know who's going to win because I don't know who's got what left and what last night showed me was that Lewis Ritson just seemingly seems like I hate to say this word but he seemingly seems like a shot fighter with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It seemingly, it seemingly yeah. seems like he's done like that, that performance from Rohari Davis, I think, wasn't an outstanding performance, whereas people are kind of raving a little bit about how he dissected and and beat down Lewis Ritson. But I felt O'Hara Davis was facing a guy who seemingly looks like he's coming towards the back end of his career, having been in many hard fights. And I think O'Hara Davis looks slow and ponderous and a bit wild himself at times, but he was facing a guy who wasn't seemingly there he did his, his body was there but his mind just didn't seem to be in it last night like he threw a few good shots throughout a course of a few rounds but all i saw last night with the ritz and davis fight was was davis just controlling it and just picking his punches well and when i say picking his punches well at times they look quite slow and ponderous but they were getting through ritz and just seemed so easy to hit he, he, i hate again i hate to say it he just felt like he was there to be hit last night and it was frustrating to watch because this ritz of 3 to 4 years before this he would have been well out of the way of them shots he would have been well competitive than what he was last night he would have been on the inside he would have been stepping out stepping in using the different 
combinations that he used to use. But last night, I didn't see anything. All I saw was a guy that seemingly looked like a shell of him for his former self. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, I thought it was an intriguing fight rather than being a, a, a brilliant fight. And O'Hara Davis, you know, he has been given quite a lot of plaudits this morning and, and last night for his performance, and, and rightly so. I think what impressed me about O'Hara Davis, if, if I was talking about the, the good points and the bad points of the fight, I think and what impressed me was he stuck to his game plan. And I think that him and his team had noticed something with Lewis Ritson. And and that, for me, was, was quite an interesting thing for um, the Davis team to have spotted because I spotted it quite early on in the fight. And, and I think at one point I even text Stuart and, and I said, look at Lewis Ritson every time he comes forward. His hands are up and he almost goes to a default setting where when he's backing off, he'll put his hands around his head. Well, that's probably no good when you're in against a, a, a long-levered guy like O'Hara Davis. But the minute Lewis Ritson started to come forward, his hands would automatically drop. And and it was almost like he throws punches from maybe about three or four centimetres down from his chin. And it was very telling because every time that he did it, O'Hara Davis was able to counter him. And what Davis had noticed, I think, in the game plan before the fight was, if I can kind of keep him at the end of my jab, which wasn't necessarily a jab a lot of the time. He was just holding it out at some times, almost reminiscent of Lennox Lewis at his peak, where he would just hold his hand out, keep the guy measured, firing a, a right hand, firing a right hand. Davis did that quite a lot last night. So his jab, as you say, Sean, was quite slow and ponderous when he did actually throw it. Other times, you know, yeah, he went to the body, first of all. But what Lewis Ritson was doing was almost suicidal. You know, as I say, dropping your hands when you've got a puncher like O'Hara Davis, not a murderous puncher, but a puncher who, who, who can bang. You know, he was able to just hit Lewis Ritson at will with his right hand. And then he started to work the body and he came down with the left hand multiple times before the, the stoppage. And as O'Hara Davis grew in confidence, what he stopped doing, maybe about round five, six, seven, was he stopped actually moving as well. And he actually just stood right in front of Lewis Ritson. And that for me was probably telling because that was Davis saying in his mind, I don't need to move. I don't need to box and get out of the way here. I think I can take this guy out at, at will. You know, and, and when I'm ready to land and when I'm ready to open up, I think I can get to him. You know, he, he didn't go over the top of Harry Davis. He didn't start throwing wild combination after wild combination. He, he picked his shots quite well and just waited and bided his time. And when the finish came, it was it was, it was was quite crunching. But I think if we're being critical of Davis, what did he do that was wrong last night? He threw wild looping shots at times. He put himself overbalanced. He, he almost swung himself round a number of times. So is he world level? Probably not. You know, he talked about going and getting a, a world title shot last night. They would need to be very careful who they actually put him in with because I think at the end of the day, he's not a world world class fighter. He's he's certainly British, European, that type of level, fringe world title, maybe around about level fifteen in terms of the rankings. But it was it was an interesting fight to watch it unfold. Two rounds before it finished, I thought to myself, I just don't know if Lewis Ritson wants to be in here anymore. And and that's probably picking up on the vibe that you were talking about there, Sean. You know, he looked shot. You know, he looked like he didn't quite know what to do. And his style seems to have changed as well. He looked like a fighter with no confidence. When, when we think of him blasting out someone like Joe Murray, he just walked through them. Left hands, right hands, boom, I'll do whatever I want because I've got the power here. He was just trying to box, which was fine. 
you know, at, at times. But when someone who was a banger tries to change their style and goes to become a boxer, you know, it's almost like they're scared of, of what they've actually got left themselves. And obviously he'd had big, massive disappointments against Miguel Vasquez, even though he won, and Jeremiah's Pons, where he'd lost. There were shadows of the, the Jeremiah's Pons fight last night, just in Lewis Ritson's body language, his demeanour. But the, the final shot, honestly, would have felled a horse and it just hit him correctly. And when he went down, you know, while I wasn't running the stop clock, it was probably about five minutes before he even managed to get up and stand up in his stool. So it was it was quite a devastating blow when it finished. But for me, Lewis Ritson is a fighter who, who just looked like he was no longer interested in boxing or there's just something there mentally stopping him from putting his foot on the gas. But all credit to O'Hara Davis, he had to go in there last night and win. He certainly did, and he did it in an emphatic fashion, and he's put a statement out there, and maybe we don't give him as much credit as what we could do, but the one thing I picked up from what you were saying was about where you think his level is at. And I look at the WBA rankings and... They put him down at number two and Ishmael Barroso at number one, with the champion being Alberto Puillo of Dominican Republic. Now, Ishmael Barroso was the same Ishmael Barroso that Anthony Crawler fought a few years back and successfully beat Ishmael Barroso in, in a great fight. So, whilst winning that fight last night puts Davis essentially ready for a shot at Alberto Puello, Puello's undefeated. He's not tasted defeat in his career before. He's been at this level now for a couple of years you know he held the interim version of the title for about two to three years before he became the full champion last year when he faced Bortizan Akhmedeyev and he got the split decision against him over 12 rounds is he someone that O'Hara Davis can beat or is he in a position where actually this might show that he's going to get get found out. I mean, Puello was actually defending that title in May against Roley Romero. So after the fight with Romero, if he beats him in emphatic fashion, or even if he just beats him in general and defends his title successfully, is that going to put Davis right in line for that fight? And could you honestly see him beating this guy? Because I, I just not, I'm not too sure he could. I'm not too sure from what I've seen of Puello so far. I'm not too sure O'Hara Davis could be that world champion. However, when I look at the rankings and I look at the other champions within the division currently, could I see O'Hara Davis beating Regis Progre, Sabriel Matthias, and of course his former foe Josh Taylor, who are all champions in the division at the moment? I couldn't see him beating any of them. So Puello would really be the only person I could say he could have a chance against. Yeah, yeah. And and it's a fair shout. You know, my issue with O'Hara Davis is, I suppose it's not an issue with O'Hara Davis. It's an issue with the whole promotion last night. It was meant to be Probellum. And then, as we discussed, it, Probellum went kaput. And the, the fight still went on, but didn't really have a great deal of financial backing or promotion. So it was run by Phil Jeffries, Fighting out in the um, Newcastle arena, you would have think it should have been packed out. Maxim had that packed out when Lewis Ritson fought there previously. So w- what's happened to the promotion in the northeast that they've not managed to sell tickets or that they've not managed to actually make this into an interesting spectacle? Both men last night were fighting in front of a, an arena. Where I've been in it myself, I went to watch Amir Khan fight in that arena. And it holds easily 10,000. 
You were probably lucky if there was 2,000 there last night. There was no atmosphere at all. Both fighters came out. They tried their hardest to try and instill a little bit of drama, uh, drama in the ring walk, but there was just nothing really from the crowd. So so long point I'm getting here, but my, my, my point I'm getting to is, will O'Hara Davis even have the muscle behind him to call for a world title shot? Yes, he won an eliminator last night, but I don't think someone like Pulo, if he was put forward as an opponent, would even be interested, because Davis just doesn't have a, a promoter behind him who could bring a world title over to the UK, who could bring a champion over and say, we'll pay you 100 grand, 150,000. They don't have that type of money behind them, unfortunately. So, you know, as you correctly say, he's the best thing that he could hope for, I think, is that someone maybe looks at him as an easy touch to try and sell some tickets over in the UK without really knowing who he is. You know, so does a Teofimo Lopez go for an O'Hara Davis fight? You know, probably not, because you might think it's, it's a hard night's work, you know, so... Would he beat Ryan Garcia? No, he wouldn't. You know, so it's it's a real difficult one. So as much as I, I think he did well last night, as much as I think he deserves to move forward, I think he'll actually find his career still stuttering just because he's not a big ticket seller and just because he's not got a promoter really behind him who's bought into him. So I really felt for him last night. And, um, you know, I think you could see what it meant to him. He was crying after the the uh, fight just because he was, I think it was a case of, you know, people have doubted me for so long, but look what I can do when I put my mind to it. But as we said, if we, if we just balance everything out, stop going on with the, the kind of Twitter brigade, as, as, as we call them sometimes, you know, and the, the, the casual boxing fans, what did he actually demonstrate last night? He can beat a shot fighter. He can stick to a game plan. He can bang a little bit. But at times he's still very amateurish, and someone like Regis Pro, Regis Progre would go through him, I think, very very quickly. We've seen it happen with Josh Taylor when he fought him, albeit it was at the start of their career, you know. But for me, O'Hara Davis, you know, I think will struggle to get that world title fight. He'll struggle to progress his career from here on in, and maybe what they should look at, and I know he wants that world title fight, is maybe look down the European route first to see if he can get some more rankings and actually start to call for a world title fight. We'll, we'll see. But, you know, as I say, I kind of felt sorry for both guys last night because I thought I'm not quite sure where the winner even goes now. No, well, that's that's the weird thing about it, isn't it? Like, we call them the forgotten men of British yeah. boxing and they still feel like the forgotten men of British boxing, even though O'Hara Davis got the victory and, and, and it meant so much to him and he's put himself in this final eliminator position. Like you say, really, what does he bring to the table Money-wise, fan-wise, promotional-wise, he doesn't really bring a lot. And that, that's kind no. of the problem at the moment with him. And I see that yeah. being the problem, like you said, and I agree with you, I think that could be the stumbling block to him actually getting this big fight for a world title. And I'm just not so sure he would get it. And then you look around like the division as well. There's some absolutely talented names at the moment in Super Lightweight Division. I think what he needs to do, and this is just me speaking with a different hat on at the moment, if I'm you know, looking at him from a management perspective and I'm looking around and thinking, right, well, probably not going to get the fight anytime soon for the WBA title. So, you know, you look around where O'Hara Davis is, is ranked within the WBA and you've got fighters, you know, around him that he could really pick up some good victories against and actually make the interest more viable for him. I mean, why not fight Ishmael Barroso? Why not go on and fight a Barroso? He was at number one in the WBA rankings. Why not have a good victory? 
battery like that over somebody and then start calling out for a fight? Or why not look around and see what else is going on in this division? I mean, you've got some big names in it. Some big names. You've got Richard Comneys, Jose Pedraza's in the division. You've got Gary Russell in the division. You've got Sander Martin in the division. You've got these types of fighters that I think he needs to get in the ring with and, and make his value known before he gets that opportunity. Because if he wants yeah. a world title shot, he wants to be doing it on a stage where people are actually going to tune in and be interested in it. Now, to do that, he needs to start sparking up some interest in a positive way. That That's, that's my yeah. opinion. That's just my opinion as, as someone that, if I was managing his career, that, that's what I'd want to do for him. I'd want to say, look, we need to build the brand a bit more for you. We need to look get people looking at you from the different continents of the world and going actually this guy's someone you know that will actually bring something to the table at the moment even after that victory i don't think he does bring anything to the table regardless of him having you know winning this wba final eliminator status it, it, it's not really in the grand scheme of it. it doesn't really seem to mean anything at the moment for him and it's sad really because i think he's a talented enough fighter to share the ring with all these guys not so sure he'd become a champion, but I'm certainly sure he'd hold his own for the best part, and we'd get some interesting fights for him. But yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit skeptical mm-hmm. like you about where he goes from here. I'm not so too sure he's actually gonna progress any further forward than than where he's just been at in in the past 24 hours, which is yeah. a which is a big shame, really. But good performance overall from him, Ritson. Ah. What do you say now? Do you just say, look, call it quits, Lewis? It's time to kind of call it quits. Or it sounds mad because he's 29 years of age. He's not like he's he's old in boxing terms. You know, there's still some, some fights left in him. People are saying on social media today, oh, well, you know, you can come again. Well, yeah, yeah, I think he could come again. But I just can't see him getting anywhere past the sort of domestic level now. But, but as you say, Sean, you know, could he come again? Because when a fighter gets beat, and 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 let's look back at the performance against Pons, he was really, really badly beaten in that fight, you know. And at that point, if people remember the the, the fight, you know, that was there was a bit of contention there when Steve Gray threw the towel out of the ring, and you know, people were saying, "Well, who can stop a fight? Is it the referee? Is it the corner?" But the main point in that fight is. The referee was considering stopping it. Lewis Ritson was considering stopping it. His dad was considering stopping it. You know, he was in a bad, bad way there. And against O'Hara Davis, he started to show some of these warning signs, you know, and, and they were there. It was a ninth round victory last night for O'Hara Davis. But for me, I started seeing them, as I said, around about round seven. And to be fair, Lewis Ritson had a decent couple of rounds, round six, round seven when he started to, to look like O'Hara Davis had just switched off a little bit, but then Davis knew that he'd hurt him and he came forward and in the ninth it was easy for him to, to kind of get that stoppage because he, he kind of knew what he was targeting at that point, it was the body. That seems to be the big weakness for Lewis Ritson. He's been hurt to the body multiple times in his career and I think the Davis team knew that and it was a big focus for them last night. You know, they were throwing lovely little uppercuts as well because, again, I think they were fully aware that Lewis Ritson drops his hands as he comes forward to attack. So it was a, an educated performance of sorts, but where would they take Lewis Ritson? I wouldn't even say have a year off and come back and come back at a higher weight because sometimes when it just goes, it just goes, you know, and, and I think that 
mental strength which Lewis Ritson had is, is now gone. The physicalities of a, a career as well have gone. So maybe he just had a really explosive short peak. We've seen it with fighters before where they just don't get to world level. And maybe again, that's us as fans, as, as Matchroom at the time who were promoting him. Maybe we over-egged the situation. Maybe we made him out into being something that he isn't, you know, because Lewis Ritson came from the small hall shows in the Northeast and all of a sudden he became the British champion and started knocking people out. And we were like, this guy's thunderous. This guy's ferocious. Maybe he didn't actually really have it in the first instance, you know, and that sounds a horrible thing to say. And if I ever met Lewis Ritson, I'd love to talk to him about it. But, you know, maybe he just wasn't that elevated fighter that we thought he was. And maybe he's actually overachieved. And that's why we're now so disappointed that his career's, you know, not taken off in the way that we thought it would be. Because when we looked at his, his early career and who he fought, you know, if someone had said this kid will get up to, he'll win a Lonsdale belt outright, he'll headline shows and he'll maybe win an international belt or whatever, we would have said, you know, he'll probably take that. You know, so as I say, maybe, maybe it was a matchroom creation, a monster, which didn't really exist. So, but for me, I think, what's the point in carrying on you know at uh, this moment in time unless something fundamentally changes and his 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 training camp his mindset he's he's you know for me i would just say to him you know hang the gloves up at 29 and you know maybe move on to be a trainer but the last person that ever wants to hear that's the fighter we've seen many fighters going on and on and on you know i just don't want to see anybody getting hurt in this game and and i think if lewis ritson came up against a world class opponent again it could potentially get seriously hurt. Yeah, there's a lot to ponder there with him and it'll be interesting to see what his next move is. And I hope the next move he does make is, is the right thing for him and, and his team because the thing is at this stage of his career, like you say, what what else could he possibly do at this point? And you just don't want to see someone fall from grace so rapidly. And you made some really good valid points and it does make people think about like what you're saying as to whether he was overachieving and whether people put too much expectation on him I certainly think they did and as soon as as things didn't go right for him he was dropped like a bad habit and yeah. it just kind of feels a little bit like a, a fall from grace for him at the moment in comparison to where he was a couple of years ago but I'll watch with interest as a fan I'll see where it goes and hopefully it'll go in the right direction for the right reasons for him but ultimately that is the two major fights we wanted to cover for this reaction show another shock that happened on this particular card was 33-0-1 losing Thomas Patrick Ward losing to Otterbeck Kolmatov who was 10-0 in the featherweight division now I've been saying for a while he needed a big fight Thomas Patrick Ward and I wouldn't necessarily say this was a big fight but he certainly came up against somebody here who had his number and just completely took him apart in the fight I was I was shocked because again he's another one who's amassed this large albeit padded record for the most part who's who's kind of been put into our faces as a guy that's going to go on to do big things in the sport much like a Lewis Ritson and He's not done really anything that has made us feel significantly he's going to go on to become a world champion in the division. And look at what's happened now. He's come up against somebody who's who's gone in there and just wiped the floor with him. And for me now, certainly takes this aura 
of of sort of invincibility away from from his career and gives a little bit of a blueprint for other fighters in the future to maybe go in there and know what to do against Thomas Patrick Ward. That was a bit of a, a shock for me last night. I, I I can't honestly say I was expecting it to go down the way it did, and I, I just don't know sort of where he goes now. I'm not saying he, he I'm not saying he's in the same position as Ritson because I don't think he is, but. That that was a big yeah. shock for me on that card last night, and uh, I'm, I'm I feel for him because I think if he was going to lose, you really wanted to have lost on a bigger stage, and that last night was uh, was pretty poor, really. You know, given what you said earlier about the the promotion and the lack of people actually in there, it was uh, it was quite a sad state of affairs to actually see when you've got talented fighters on a show and and literally nobody's there to see it. Yeah. Like like you, I was quite surprised by the, the fight. You know, he was down three times. He was down in the, the first, the fourth and the fifth. And, you know, he, his corner ended up ultimately thrown in the towel to save him for a, another day. It was a tough night's work for him, you know. Uh, but you said something, Sean, there, which was really interesting. You know, a padded record. You know, here's a fighter which is 33-1-1. One one. Yeah, he had been the British champion. But, like, who talked about him? You know, not not many people talked about him. And he had a great win over Jazza Dickens on a Josh Warrington undercard now, you know, going back a, a number of years. But since then, that was 2017. We've, we've not really seen a great deal of him, even though he's still been active. They took him over a little bit to America to try and do things. He's fought in Dubai. But, again, we've not necessarily seen him headlining cards. So, you know, last night he just came up against a guy who you know, just had his number and who just had the power. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of, can you remember Choi Sven Peru who came in and just walked through Derry Matthews? It, it just kind of had that feel to it. You know, someone who we were all expecting would be able to get outboxed, he came with a winning record, but he wouldn't necessarily cause any problems. But when he gets in there, he's heavy hit, he's heavy handed and he just beats the guy down. That's what fight it reminded me of as I was watching it. And yeah, it, the, the Kolomitov isn't necessarily a world beater himself and I don't expect him to go on and do massive great things. But for, for me last night, yeah, Thomas Patrick Ward, it just... He just looked a little bit lost in there and, and not quite able to to hold off the, the opponent. He isn't a big puncher. He, out of his 33 wins, he only had five KOs. So, you know, he is a box mover. But, yeah, he just didn't have anything to hold this guy off. And where does his career go now? It's, you know, one where they can rebuild him. But with 33 fights, you know, have they just held his career back too much that he's, he's, he's kind of passed it without really knowing it himself? It'll be interesting to see how they bring him back, but I can't imagine he gets signed by a major promotion, um, major promotional team after that performance last night. So, you know, it's going to be a very, very tough road back for him. Very, very tough road back. Maybe he goes back and tries to pick up his old British belt. Well, we'll see. Only time will tell what happens with Thomas Patrick Ward. Just wrapping up that card for notable results, Lee McGregor returned with a points win on the same card last night. And... Really, that was what we covered going into this weekend and that's what we're going to end it on, the fights that we put a little bit more detail into and we will be back with another show later in the week as we cover the fights that are coming up next weekend. But for this episode, we've covered the Magzayo and Figueroa fight and the Ritson and Davies fights and we give our thoughts, feelings and opinions on both of them. And if you've got any additional thoughts to that, please do let us know at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, 
Instagram and YouTube as well. If you want to follow us both, you can find us at Sean BTR Boxing and Boxing Blogger UK on Twitter. But for this episode, that is Curtains. And I want to say thank you very much, as always, for listening to BTR Boxing Podcast Big Fight Reaction. Podcast Network.